Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah. Yeah, Sana, thanks, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, we've only ever talked in person once at a club for like four minutes. So this is special. <laughs> do you remember that? Uh, do you remember that night? I do. I do uh, remember that night. We had uh, we talked a little bit. You actually talked a little bit about what you wanted to do post career. Uh, talked about maybe some book writing. You said you went to art, and uh, uh, I think I had had some of your gear on. Uh, your uh, yet yet like. That was back when you when you'd come out, I guess every summer with some boom though gear, and uh, ha- I had some shirts that I was I was fond of that I rocked wow, quite frequently. Wow. Oh, look at this man! First of all, why was I telling you my like life's ambitions in the middle of the club? <laughs> what a That's wrong crazy. thing to do! It's just, it's like, hey brother, the next move is this. Our rec- recollections of this are wildly different. Um, Mine is like, I was like turned, and I was like, "Oh shit, there's a mecca. Let me say hi." And then that was it. That's all I. Remember. That's, I don't remember any of this other stuff. Yeah, we spoke before in depth because there was some backstory. Because you know, you, you were friends with my uh, well, my then fiance or girlfriend at the time, now wife, and uh, we had kind of I had heard about you through her, and then when we finally you know bumped into each other face to face. Yeah, we just chop shop real quick. Yeah, wild. You know what's uh, what's funny about that night is that uh, I forget what club it was because it's since closed. It could have been Box or something, but uh, I won't say the person's name, but this person is a former NBA head coach. At the time, wasn't a head coach yet, and he, was, he, uh, he had bought all these bottles, and then he got tired, so he just left. And he's like, oh, Ra, you can take these bottles. And I'm like, what? And it was like six bottles, and it was just me. <laughs> And it's like 1.30. So I put, and I had money. I didn't need to do this. But I put all six of the bottles like in my pants. And I was wearing tight pants. I was wearing bare tight pants. It looked like I my had guy. like a 14-inch penis. Six <laughs> bottles? How you, how you take six bottles? Six, he looked, I'm more surprised that he bought six bottles right before he was ready to go. I think it just like. There are some women he might have been interested in, that's and they made was. a move, and he was like, oh, shit. Like, that's crazy that NBA players make the kind of money they can just buy and leave six bottles in a 20-minute period. Fam, that happened the last it, it, time it I was sometimes. in Vegas. <laughs> well, you left six bottles at the club before? I've, I've, I've never been the bottle club guy at all. I, I, I'm the guy who will, you know, maybe walk by, get invited to the table, but the whole, uh, the whole, the whole process of getting a table and – Operating the table—that's just too much for me. You're I'm smart, real practical man. Yeah, you know, just hey, man. Like, I, I don't want to be stuck with six miles at the end of the night. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just not efficient, man. You know, don't plus I don't drink like that. So. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. You were just like when I saw you. Yeah, you just went up to the bar and you were just standing there like some regular ass dude. But she's sixteen. <laughs> well, I mean, in L.A., like everybody's kind of like. I was saying everybody like is is really fixated with who somebody could be, but you walk mm-hmm. like so that night there were a lot of like guys there, but you just walked in all nonchalant, stood by the bar. I don't think anybody said shit to you except for me, and then you just left. Yeah, hey, you know, it's 
it's the way to be just under the radar, chill and have a good time. You know, kind of, you know, I, I like, I like to just survey the scene, be just, just kind of fly on the wall, wallflower type, just soak it up and uh, not necessarily be in the mix. I, I really enjoy observing and just kind of watching things unfold. Man, that, that is the is... best. That is literally the best place to be in the club, bro. You don't want yeah. all the attention. You want to get in there and cut the line. That's the benefit. Yeah. That's all you That's need. It. Can I cut yeah. the line and not pay? Cool. I'm good, man. That's all I want, bro. Hold on. Hold on. All the other shit, please miss me. Can we please all? Can we all agree me. that that's also like? what like smart Nigerians that's like a very like on brand thing for them it's such an analytical way to view the club (laughs) if you was more if you were born in if you're like if your heritage was like Houston since slavery you'd be completely different with that mindset 100% you know this Uh, alright so in preparation for this I googled you I mean it wasn't a lot of stuff that I didn't already know but uh I am interested. I did not know that you were born and raised in Texas. Yeah. You don't live there anymore. Have you lived there since high school? Yeah. So my parents are still there. I've, I've, uh, I would go back and forth, actually. I, I spent a, the earlier part of my career, I spent um, a lot of time in, in Houston. Uh, since, since, you know, being married and having kids, I have spent most of my time in New York. Yeah. So I guess I was going to ask, like, do you feel connected to Houston? Do you like love Houston or is it just like where you're from and you just kind of like go back? Every time I step off the plane and that Houston humidity hits me, I'm like, I'm home. You know, you're home. Okay. Oh, wow. That could have gone any yeah, direction. Yeah. I, I was, you really had me waiting. I was like, I don't know no, where he's going to go. Yeah, no, it's like, it's, it's, uh, and it's, it's, Houston's a very special place. Um, it's very cosmopolitan. I, I didn't really understand or realize how diverse it was for it being, uh, in Texas and in the South. I mean, every, so we had, in terms of, you know, ethnicities, religions, uh, gender, sexual orienta- sexual orientation, all that was, was well represented in Houston. I had friends from all walks of life. And to me, that was normal. You know, growing mm-hmm. up, you know, my, my best friend is Vietnamese. Uh, I have another best friend. She's, you know, she's Pakistani Muslim. Have a Hispanic, you know, Jewish, like ev- like everything, and this was just me growing up in normal. This is this was my normal frame of mind growing up in, you know, Houston, Texas. Yeah. Oh, that's shocking. That's the opposite of what you yeah. assume. Yeah. I have think a completely different relationship. Yeah, and I was Houston. Like, yeah, I was gonna say Rod. <laughs> Rod sold a very different picture than what you just described. <laughs> what did I tell you about Houston? We were driving to go do something, and you were like, "Bro, when I was in Houston, it's very fucking." Oh no, that might have been. <laughs> What that are you was thinking Rob. Rob. Yeah, I was like, I've that never talked Rob. to you about Houston ever. I, I rarely speak up about Houston. We have a I, we have a homie who whose name is Rob. <laughs> so like my mind just just so first of all, Chris is racist. He thinks all black people look alike. Fuck out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> but I know I have I have a lot of family in Houston, and yeah. I've been there three times. And my experience in Houston is well, the first time I went, I was like twenty. And Juvenile just put out a new album. So I just, I associate it with like listening to that Juvenile album being like, oh, we about to get turned in Houston. Even though I was not of age and I really wouldn't even know of what to do. I just remember feeling that feeling like, ah, something's going to go down in Houston. 
And then the 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 other memory is my aunt just getting on some motorcycles with some random dudes and like just ditching me on some like fucking street. And I'm that like, is you just gonna get on a motorcycle and leave? She's like, I'll be back. She did come. Back. She did not come she back. Come back. <laughs> I was just like, okay. And, and the, thing, the thing about Houston, though, people who are from Houston are very proud of being from Houston. It's like one of these little, um, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a special place, man. Uh, you know, it's a big city, but still has you know, a, a very small town feel. People are are, are are courteous to each other. There's a sudden hospitality. Um, but at the same time, you, you just have all the, you know, technology and frills that a regular big city would have. You know, it has, uh, there's, there's three distinct downtowns. You have the, you know, downtown, then you have the medical center, then you have the Galleria. Um, you know, we have the nautical, the nautical, uh, you know, NASA out there. Um, you know, so Houston, it, it, there's a lot, you know, when you think of Houston and Texas as an outsider uh, versus going there, I think people are, are, are pleasantly surprised, especially too when you can get when the land was real cheap. It's not as cheap as it used to be, but you used to be able to really your, your dollar used to be really be able to stretch out there. I just Still keep wondering. Be- I just keep wondering, like. What the hell is that noise? Jesus Christ. It's like a medical Some chopper flying over. Uh, I just keep wondering, like, the day we get James Harden on here, if he describes Houston any way that you're describing <laughs> at all. I just don't see it. I don't see it. <laughs> I remember when Dwight Howard was going to, when he was, uh, he was in L.A., and then, you know, they wanted him out, basically. The fans were mad at him. And then there was a the whole campaign where it was like, stay, Dwight, and they put up all these billboards. There was one, like, right outside my house, like, stay, D12. And, uh, and Bun B came on L.A. radio, and I never listened to radio. It just happened to be this day driving and hearing the radio. Bun B's like, man, he just need to take his ass on down to Houston, man. I was at the club, Nightingale. Bottles was like 500 a pop. Come to Houston, Dwight. Bottles, 100. We got you. We got you. That's the talk around Houston. Bottles are cheaper. More hoes. That I, more hoes is what I know. Cause sli- I, I'm just thinking of Slim Thugs uh, where, when he was on uh, No Reservations. And he's like, bro, the, the barbecue and uh, you'll never find better looking black women than anywhere in Houston. And I was like, well, I got to go to Houston. I was like, let's go take, let's go take a trip. But I don't know the bottles part. Cause and let's there, not forget there. that Houston, I was there last. So I was there last time with uh, uh, USA when they first switched to like not having... NBA like starters fill the USA World Cup teams, uh, mm-hmm. so it's like 2017, and uh, so I was there, Jeff Van Gundy was the coach, and I remember I was going to Postmates and like all the state like there's first of all hell of places were delivering steaks on Postmates, second of all like there were many five hundred dollar options, and I'm like why is this necessary? I'm, if you're getting a five hundred dollar steak, you're not getting it delivered in plastic, bro. <laughs> I'm not gonna eat this. It's the food hey, equivalent hey, of six <laughs> bottles. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we take our we take our barbecue uh, seriously in, in Houston. Take our steaks seriously. Uh, in terms of the five hundred dollars steak, I, I don't know about that, man. That seems a bit pricey. Uh, I, I personally have never seen that. Um, I I don't think I've even had a five hundred. I'm, I'm certain I've never had a five hundred dollars steak. So I, I I couldn't. What? Comments what? on what's that's the point absurd. of being rich? That's, that's crazy. Dude, Why would you spend hey, five hundred on a steak? Practical, practical first. Exactly. <laughs> I, I support that decision. I spend five hundred dollars on a fucking steak. That's just, it, there's no way it can be that much better 
than any other steak, bro. Also, don't understand waiting in the line for four fucking hours to go eat some barbecue, dog. Like, it can't be that good. Like, two things that happen a lot in Texas. No the, the right spot, bar- I will say, waiting in line for the right barbecue spot can definitely pay. It, it pays major dividends. At what's end. your spot? What's, yeah, what's your the spot? recommendation? Everybody, yeah. Uh, so the, my spot that I like now there is a, plot, a spot called the pit room. They have pretty good, they have pretty good stuff. There's some, you know, the thing with That's Houston is super, food, super spread out. So there's other places that I've, I've wanted to try. It's just been too far. Uh, one of them being out in Pearland, I forget the name, uh, but that's supposed to be very good. But the, the one that's nearest to where I live, uh, the pit room has, has, has been pretty, pretty good. Um, also, this is the other spot called Famous that has good uh, good barbecue as well. That's kind of in the post-Oak area. Famous, F-A-I-N-M-O-U-S. Oh. And he, he's and interested. You spell what? Okay, because okay. I, <laughs> I thought it was too I thought it was Famous, and then I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, <laughs> F-A-I-N-M-O-U-S. A-I-N. Famous. Famous? Famous. He's we're just being typed in for those listening who can't tell what's happening. We're looking up this spelling. Yeah, famous. Oh, yeah, famous barbecue. That is. That better be somebody's last yeah, name. Yeah, you spelled it that, that way. Is, you're, you must be yeah, real confident is, in your barbecue. That's got to be your last name, bro. It's a low real spot. You know, you walk in and some you know plastic chairs and just but the 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 barbecue is is, is pretty is pretty good. It has, you know, I'm a, I'm a big uh, brisket uh, brisket sandwich guy. And um, it's pretty decent. I was just going to ask. I was like, what's your order? Because I'm a big, yeah. uh, I like the brisket, but I don't like a lean brisket. Uh, it's it has like, to be a fatty brisket. Yeah, man. What's the point of getting barbecue if you're not going to get the fatty yeah. brisket, man? Yeah. And then the sauce, too. It's all about the sauce. got to have 100%. the right, right brisket. Uh, it's like the right brisket mixture and then the right sauce. And then when you get that the, the nice bread with it, it's... There it is, bro. Now I'm hungry. Shit. Yeah, I know, God right? God I'm like intermittent fasting right now, and I can't eat till 12. And then the time of this got pushed back, and I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be like at least 12, 30 if I can eat something. God damn it. So, so we, if we have any Houstonians out there, my, my favorite, favorite throwback spot that's no longer in business was called Luther's Barbecue. That was like the, that was like the original. You know why he said that, right? Because he's got to keep his hood card. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> y'all remember Luther's, right? Shit. I'm from Houston. I know. <laughs> it's, coming, it's coming back now. <laughs> Say, wait, 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 wait. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Uh, what, what, uh, what, so back to basketball, like what, what led you to go to UConn? You know, like, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I kind of, you know, during the recruiting process, I, I was actually pretty naive about college basketball. Um, at the time, I'd wanted to go to Stanford. I was really big into uh, my academics, and I was like, okay, you know, around that time, I think maybe 98, 99, Stanford had made the Final Four, and I was like, okay, Stanford, it's a, that's a good academic school, and they, got, they have a good basketball team, so that seems like a place that, you know, I may want to go. Um, they recruited me for a little bit. And then they only had one scholarship and ended up giving it to someone else. And, you know, I, I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to go. UConn came into the mix and they started recruiting me. And slowly but surely, you know, I, I just started to, you know, you know, just had practice, just pragmatically deduce like, okay, you know, UConn has, you know, championship coach Jim Calhoun was, uh, 
Yeah, he had just come off a national championship. Um, you know, they were in the Big East, which was a which was a a, a great a great uh, conference. Um, in terms of like press, they had a, a, so much press out there. Like you know, they had you know 10, 13, 9 or ten papers covering them. So in terms of getting exposure, uh, that box be checked. Um, in terms of like a public school institution, um, and my reason outside the Ivy Leagues, in terms of public, like it's all kind of like reasonably the same. So like you know, I can get a, a quality education, and uh, yeah, I was, and, and and most important, it was it was far from home. I wanted an adventure. I wanted to leave the state of Texas just for like personal growth reasons. I wanted just to to, to kind of. I didn't want to, you know, have to, I didn't want to have like home as a crutch. I wanted to be, be like out of my own. And so it being on the East coast and far away, check that boss. I was like, all right, man, let's, let's, let's go. Let's do it. How was that experience? Like, how'd you like UConn? Like as a student, Dude, as an athlete, all that game. Little did I know I couldn't have picked, like it was the, it, I couldn't have picked a better school. Like I had such an amazing experience. So certain, some of the things I didn't know what I was getting into is some, some of the, Facets of it uh, were like just the one the fans like the UConn fan is like no other fan mm. like they once you put on that jersey they love you forever like coach so coach has alumni games where you'll have like every two years you'll have like alumni games where you you'll have like generations of players come back and a lot of players come back and then you'll see the fans and the fans will love whether you won lost a championship whether your team was greater they 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 remember every single player and they love every player equally it's crazy man like you just embrace it's just, it's just wow just crazy. basketball life is so much cooler <laughs> oh, what do you mean i went to berkeley i got there's none both, of this but both men and women though both men and women are equally loved and shared maybe the women even more i'd say but it's like we're, we're it's a very 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 special place to, to to play basketball and the fans truly make that experience what it is then Jim got home, man. Great coach, man. He 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 was like, you know, you know. I, I feel like uh, college basketball, um, in general, with, with the coaches, you know, they tend to like the, the players and the program tend to reflect them. You know, so uh, coach is a real hard nosed guy. He likes toughness, and you know, although I was more, I was, I was you know, a book nerd and nerdy, but I still had that like grit, like there's that toughness that I that that I that that I enjoy and that I have that uh, he appreciated and, and fit within the confines of the team. And, you know, just the way he ran his program and the way like coaches wanted everything top notch, like whatever was legal that we could have, he made sure. That, <laughs> that was nice. That was a nice, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good way, good way to cover the bases there, buddy. <laughs> That's, well done. That's hey, practice whatever, right there. That's a professional. You know, whatever was legal that we could have, he wants to make sure his program had it, you know, and um, there, there are no professional sports team in UConn at, at, excuse me, in Connecticut. And we were treated like a professional sports team. Like it was, unreal like it was just it was just so uh my experience was just so robust like my teammates were awesome guys like we all gelled there was no jealousy everybody was with was, was for one another we all hung out like it was crazy like in my mind like as i speak to other people's college experience and other people's like even basketball college experience is is it, it, it's not the same on for a number of level you know for in a number of different areas 
But uh, the sad part where I don't find it, it the same is with the, the bond with the teammates. You know, like like the team, we had a, like a real, real good bond. And we had, uh, we, we all genuinely enjoyed being around each other. And, you know, it showed on the court. We won, man. Like we won. You know, we, we were winning. Great fans. Hot, you know, well-run program. I was getting a quality education, you know, the, you know, just UConn alumni base in general is just, they're just together, you know? So, um, and that part, I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know, like, I was literally walking into like a family, you know? So, man, let me, let me contrast literally everything you just said. I'll do the Raz, short version. Have that. Me and my teammates in college fought all the time, like all the time. They encouraged it. They used to do drills that made no sense. Like put a lid on the basket and like so that the rebound had to go some weird direction and then like basically punch a guy to get it. Okay. My coach, I won't talk too much on him, but let's just say he's not Jim Calhoun. We were, we were, we were not premium. We weren't premium. I'm sorry. He's not Didn't have a premium existence. Probably seven oh years God. after I graduated, I had an opportunity to go back to a football game and I stayed – uh, the Airbnb was kind of like connected to this like frat house a little bit or whatever. So I was like, oh shit, like s- people are going to see me. They're going to love me, remember me. Cause I'm hot in these streets, you know, especially when I did that. That's when like Boom though was popping, like the blog, like Yahoo, all this stuff. And I get there and I see so- some kid as I'm like checking in and I'm like, here it comes. And he's like, hey man, do you know one of the brothers in this house? And I'm like, I'm like, okay, didn't see that coming. Well, no, I mean, I played basketball here. I'm doing Airbnb. He's like, okay, well, just if you want to come inside for the bathroom, just talk to one of the brothers. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that is that's my experience summed up. <laughs> no, no luck. Yeah, Berkeley, man. I think that's a strictly Berkeley thing because Michigan is not that. But also, I think the fighting part is particularly for football. They want that. Like they they need that gladiator part of it. Like they, I think forty percent of the drills were literally just for the sole purpose of fighting. They had one drill where they put a towel between us and they taped it, and they were like, "All right, do what you got to do to take it from the other person." And uh, this one dude tried to break my nose, so I had to choke him out until he like went unconscious (laughs) to get it. It was it was mayhem and chaos, and like uh, so I'm always interested in how like other sports. Got to enjoy their time. I would say sports. I would say your experience is a very rare one. Okay. No, I mean, but we we would get after like we had this drill, the rebound drill, which is basically like, hey man, every man. So basically, there's this rebound drill where you had to get uh, three rebounds in a row in order to get out, and it was there was no rules. Like, all right, man, this is like a pure toughness. Just like, all right, man, yeah. like, you know, you you fight to keep the guy away from you, and you fight to get the ball. And we showed no mercy. Like, there were times where guys would get caught for 15, 20 minutes in that thing. And, hey, we, we were close, but we showed no mercy on the court. We, co- we were competitors. You know, yeah. see, we would, you know, I, I never got caught, clearly. But- I was about to say, you, it's unfair with you. People don't know. People listening at home. As a, as a regular black man, there is no strength that compares to African strength. It's unfair. <laughs> Every African ever played against the strongest fuck. Pop spins a bonzu. Aiki Gudala. All these motherfuckers are strong. They don't look like they might look regular, but they're strong. It's unfair. 
course you didn't lose that goddamn drill. That Nigerian warrior strength, bro, is different, man. And they be having stamina too. Like, bro, get tired. Get tired of one of these fucking drills. What is wrong with you? Say that you thought. I'm diluted with all this whiteness over 200 years, man. You got that pure, that pure shit. <laughs> yo, yo, this man said he's the cracker. You're the cocaine of this basketball shit. Oh, Lord. Oh, that's funny. <clears throat> that is absurd. So we can move along a bit, but when I, when I, one thing I didn't know, or maybe I just forgot, is you won NBA Rookie of the Year over way, Dwight Howard, right? Way back when. And, uh, and uh, what's interesting about that is, so when I was, because you're like a year or two ahead of me in school, two years ahead of me in school. So at that time, I really believed anyone who goes to college is going to be better than anyone who just went straight to the pros. So I was like, Carmelo is going to shit on LeBron. And I had long arguments like, Emeka Okafor is going to have the way better career than Dwight Howard. Like, and when I, once I looked it up and I remember that, that you won Wicked of the Year, I was like going around like, see, motherfuckers, I was right. You need this time. You need it. He blocks shots. He does everything. Ah, UConn, I love it. I was arguing this to the death with people. And so I was really happy to see that again. Like, you know what? I was right in, the, in a way. I was right. Uh, Andre Drummond, bro, oh. as a Pistons yeah, fan. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, staying in school, not staying in school, um, you know, everybody has their own maturity when it's time to to, to get into the, you know, the pro sports. Um, I think football is a little different where you have to stay in school for three years, understandably so, just because, you know, there's a certain physical maturity uh, level um, in terms of, you know, the NBA, I think, you know, staying in school a little bit longer does help not only from, you know, some guys are, are good to go, you know, right away. Uh, other guys could use, you know, a, a year or two, not only to sharpen up their game, but just get a little bit of maturity. You know, there's a, the NBA is a very, very different world, not necessarily only basketball life, but just for life in general. Yeah. You know, you're going from, you know, being a, a boy to, you know, man of the house and, you know, you get a lot of money thrown at you with, uh, with actually like little, little direction, <laughs> you know, a little, uh, at the onset, the NBA does do a good job in actually preparing you and, and teaching you, uh, what to, you know, how to, uh, you know, manage and how to be responsible. And then, uh, back when I was in there, there was vets, there were vets to help, you know, bounce questions off as, as well the uh, veteran lead the veteran players have been who was your vet out. who was your vet when you were a rookie my rookie was, was uh brevin knight you know brevin knight stanford guy very point guard uh you he, he was he was very good for me man he, he really you know taught me a lot about some things on the game i mean uh yeah on the game on court and uh, just what w- was good, just to bounce this stuff off, just 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 to even just see, like, okay, let me see what is, it, it, you know, at, at the time I didn't realize I, I was watching him more closely than I than I realized, you know, just kind of paying attention to what he did and how he conducted himself, uh, you know, some of the stories he he would say subtly a lot later. Um, who else did I have? You know, I had Othello Harrington was a vet. He, mm. he he came in at the tail end of his career. Jahadi White. Um, at Steve Smith, Steve Smith was, was, was a vet. Oh, damn. Gang, gang. There you yeah. Go. Smitty came in towards the tail end of his career. Uh, you know, and these guys, you, you just have conversations with them, man. You just learn the ropes and you learn 
a thing or two and 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 you start to you know kind of go from there but um you know back to the original i think i think you know i, I think college there's something there's something special about college like, granted I, I i my i'm a little bit you know jaded and skewed in, in that my uh college experience was just it just went so well that the three years were, were very very pleasant it's not necessarily the case with everybody and for me with the time for that the NBA came to call me, it, it just happened to call me like, all right, man, three, it, it was just it. Sometimes, hey, if it calls after one, you know, what are you going to do? Um, but, uh, yeah, no, nah, I, I think that it's a good thing. What was your major, and do you use it at any point in your life? So my major was finance, and I, I use it in terms of just – you know, being generally good with money. I'm not buying six numbers. bottles at the club. He doesn't buy six not bottles, buying six at, the bottles at the club. Smart <laughs> man. What do you general, <laughs> like general, uh, just general use of you know numbers and money and just you know taxes and growth and things like that. I mean, I I, I would never manage my own money because uh, I quickly learned that it's just there's way more into it than just you know. You know, three years of school would prepare me to do on my own, especially while trying to play. But I, I, I use my degree just to be able to be financially literate. Yeah. Smart. Uh, we were saying that before you got on that, uh, so you were on the cover of NCAA March Madness 2005. <laughs> and here's another extreme juxtaposition. You're on the cover of that game. And in that game, I actually have a very decent rating, but my character is white. So I, I, it's like I want to love it, but I can't. I just can't love it. We've gone totally different paths here. The last time he told me this, I was I went on Amazon to try to buy the game, but I forgot that uh, PS4s aren't backwards compatible, and I was just uh, gonna play, <laughs> just dunk on White Rod. I mean, White Rod had good stats though. You probably weren't just dunking on him with anybody. Funny enough, uh, one, one of our friends had had uh, came across was just poking for us. Hey, look look what we found online, and posted uh, that cover. And we actually went online. There was one copy left, and we purchased the copy just as a keepsake. So it actually just came maybe like two three years ago. Now that you mentioned it, oh wow, see, yeah, PS two, and that's when to and so way to skirt the rules. That year you weren't in the game, right? That's the that's the year after you graduated. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's such a weird thing that they were doing, like putting last year's guy on the cover of the current year. I think the next yeah. year might have been like JJ Reddick or something. Again, he had just graduated. Yeah. Uh, uh, or decided to go to the league or whatever you want to call it. That year they got my color right, at least. But uh, <laughs> it's such a fascinating thing the way that they. So when they did that, I'm sure you got broke off for that. That's how they were able to put you on the cover. Yeah. And you can't, you can't pay college athletes. So that's why, that's they, why they did it. Yeah. It's crazy. Nice. You should have just gotten you should have got money for that right away. That game came out. You were on the cover of NCAA after you were in an episode of One Tree Hill. And I'm like, how does that work? Things are going well, man. Which which I would love to stack talk up, about. Stack up. We just watched this episode of One Tree Hill. We watched your scenes. Yeah. And I have two very big takeaways right off top. It's hilarious. One, 
You're the best actor in your scene. Those other two guys are trash. Bad. Aren't they in the show? Very not They're good. so bad at acting. Not like, good at we're brothers. <laughs> what are you talking about? He said, Say what's so <laughs> His fake laugh. Like, you got burned by a Mecca Okafor. <laughs> and, the, and the second part is, this is pre-NBA dress code, and you look like you just figured out the dress code. You have like the very oversized button up with the white tee underneath. <laughs> that's what we were all wearing in first year dress code. Like, yeah, that's what we got. But it's yeah, before so, then. This is just a choice. Yeah. So I mean, so they they had told me that. Uh, so how that happened? Uh, so One Tree Hill, they filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. Right. So they filmed in Wilmington, and the Bobcats were a new team with a, with a new team and you know my agency came to me and said hey you know one tree hill wants you to film you know a little snippet after a game one day are you interested i'm like all right cool yeah sure why not and uh i guess so they, they wrote a story or wrote the storyline around the game and you know they had the, the two brothers or whatever um sitting in the stands and showed clip, clips of me uh you know, playing and then no, they not just playing. You were giving Zach Randolph yeah. work in these clips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you was giving. I was like, is that Zebo getting this work? Head, bro. It must have been well edited. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they they you know they set up the that the second half after I'd showered and, and did all that stuff. And normally this was pre dress code, and so normally I, I was just I always had this. I always had my Yukon hoodie. Like my 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 go to game was just. I'll just put put on my Yukon hoodie. I get in my zone. I go hoop, put on my Yukon hoodie and, and be out. But switch it up to the fine attire of the white tee and open. I think it was a Sean John button down, oversized button down, long sleeve shirt. How many to, X's uh, were my on one that? Debut. <laughs> How many X's were on that bad boy? Because I was like, that John is it was, it was baggy. Like at, least, at least four. But that was a style, man. It was like it was no. It was a style. It was. It, it was, was no such thing as too baggy, man. <laughs> Slim, slim was not slim fit was not in. Get you clown. True. It's just extra funny when it's on like giant people because it makes yeah. it even bigger. It's yeah. like <laughs> I guess because it's not yeah, Sean John wasn't fitting stuff, right? So the more extras you got, also the bigger the neck got, and then like the way it like sat on like someone's back, like all like hanging just, off like just drapery. You know, you just draped it on. You know, it was just uh, it was, I, I saw a picture of, you know, back when uh you know, the throwback jerseys were in. Yeah. Yep. And, and these things were like literally dresses on some dudes. They were so they were so long, you know? Like everything was just so oversized in that time. I saved up for like a year to get the Dennis Rodman throwback that said Savages on the front. Mm. And at the time I was probably I mean, I'm six ten, but then I was probably like one ninety, one ninety five. And it was like a six X plus plus sixth length or whatever, you know what I mean? It couldn't just be the regular length. And this shit, like, when, like, and I'd always wear it with a tee underneath because I was so skinny. So it'd be like a regular size white tee and then literally just a dress that went down to like past my knees. And I was like, nothing has ever been fresher than this. <laughs> nothing. It never will be again. Man can't run away from shit. During the baggy clothes era, I was fat. So they didn't look baggy on me. So I can't relate. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the struggle. What, uh, when you filmed One Tree Hill, because again, you were the best actor in the scene. No were, gas. Were you, like, were legitimately. You, I'm not joking. Those other this two isn't dudes a joke. were bad. <laughs> like, did you feel like, did you like prepare for your lines or like, did it just happen quick after the game and you just like, hey, this no, like. No, they, they, they gave me, they gave me the lines before the game or maybe the day before I memorized them. And then 
just after the game, we came out, we did a few takes, and that was that. I tried, I tried to put on my best acting face and went about it. Man's intelligent, bro. It's not that hard. <laughs> Proof the concept. Acting, not that hard. I got so many friends going to be mad about that. But it's true, dog. <laughs> I mean, acting isn't that hard. <laughs> I mean, again, you were with two trained actors. These guys were on the show for years and years. They've been in movies. Acting is very, very difficult, man. That, that, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like I say, hey, it, it, it is difficult, man. You try to, especially to do it, to do it right, you know? So, uh, you memorized the lines the day before. <laughs> You're the best actor in the scene. You're saying contradictory statements. It took you less than a day to learn a whole scene's worth of lines. Let's just get that clear. While preparing for a game. True. Didn't you run didn't over them for the much time before because you played the game. We saw the clips. Yeah. Other than getting outrun on the fast break one time, every other clip is dominant. I don't know why they included that one. That was weird. <laughs> they got to show he's human, man. I literally said a lot like, oh, you got to get back on that. <laughs> but no, I, I, I can't say it can't be that hard because all right, when you were acting with the dudes, did you feel like, oh, these guys aren't great? Like I was expecting Not something. Not at all. Not a, I, I thought, you know. So I've, I've done a few a, a few spots where I've you know been around the acting world and it's man it's it, the thing I, I find is the uh, is there's a lot of parallels to the sports world in terms of drilling and, and trying to get things right and trying to get things perfect and the attention to detail. Um, a lot of these sets I felt like really quite at home. I mean, every little thing that you see is is so manicured and is so thought out and just gone over and over and over again. And, um, and these are for the most simple, these simple scenes, you know? And I, I can't even imagine for the more complex scenes that involve, you know, more choreography and, and things falling and like, you know, whenever you're watching something, you know, a, a show, these people have done each scene like 10, 15 times over and over and over again in different angles just to get that one 10 second clip. And uh, and as an athlete who, who's who, who you know, practices and strives uh, for perfection, I, I appreciate that. Did, you said you've been on multiple sets. What else have you been? You've been in other stuff that we don't know about. I mean, just like just around, like uh, like so so for example, like we uh, so my my, you know, my, my daughter, my son, and daughter go to this preschool. They have a, uh, they had a. Uh, they had a uh, like a, a fundraiser, and uh, Tina Fey kid, Tina Fey's kids went there as well. So she had donated uh, an extra. Like, okay, if you, if you bid this, you can be an extra on uh, uh, what's it called? The Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy Schmidt, the, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. So we did that. We, me and my wife, we watched it. We watched it. We enjoyed it. So we thought it'd be cool to. My wife thought it'd be cool to to bid on it and for me to be an extra in it. So you know, on that set. You know, I uh, really got a chance to kind of walk around and, and see just how things are created, just just all the back of house movements. Uh, you know, talked with a few of of, of, of of my scene partners, and really, you know, talked with the scene uh, director, and just really just saw how how much care and precision is is put in every single thing. You know, then there are, you know, certain like either commercial or promo sets where you see, again, the, uh, the similar the similar concept and similar things of just things being manicured and 
well, well thought out and, and uh, you know, a lot of work and effort being put in. So were you the extra or were your kids the extra? Did they like it? No, no I, I was the extra. extra? Was, okay. Yeah, 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 I was the extra. Because um, that's always interesting for me when people go on a set for the first time, their reaction, because I guess like anything, I, I love it. So the the making of the sausage is interesting, but I can imagine being on a set for the first time is just mind numbing because you, it's literally 12 hours of three scenes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Different angles and different pickups. Dude, and yada, yada. So many. And uh, it's just so stressful. I mean, great that you found it interesting, but I, I know like the first time I was on a set from an internship, I was like, do I really like this stuff that much? Mm. I was like, I don't, I don't know. This is really my cup of tea. But then, you know, when you figure out the specific thing that you like, you get obsessed with the, the nitty, like the small details. Like you said, like in hooping, right? Or, or any other sport, you know what I mean? You're like, okay, generally speaking, basketball is get the ball into the hoop, right? Okay, yeah. but there's a lot of stuff before you get to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm a DN, tackle the quarterback. All right, bro, but there's technique to do it. Like, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you have to drill yeah. over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And then finding those little things that you connect to the most and, like, yeah. killing that shit. Exactly. Yeah, so, so fulfilling. But, I get, again, maybe that's the athlete brain part of it. I don't have a follow-up question. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at, at you, me. Bro, I was I'm just like, yeah, no, I just, it was an enjoyable tangent. We just went <laughs> All good with me, player. Let's 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 jump forward a little bit because we've been talking recently. Well, a couple months ago, and then obviously last summer, maybe at this time, you've played in Korea now. Yeah, that's my domain. This is where this is where my story flips, man. This is where I take over. My character was black. My experience was regal as fuck. <laughs> Got taken care of. It took a long time to get there, but I got there. <laughs> how have you? How did you like? How have you liked Korea so far, dude? It's been such oh, it was such a pleasure to be able to experience a different culture through basketball. You know, mm -hmm. um, there again, I, I didn't quite know what I was getting into, uh, but it was a very very enriching experience. And really being able to, you know, go, you know, what else, you know, to go to a foreign country by myself, but under the, the netting and protection of like team, you know, I was by myself, but I wasn't really by myself, you know, because you know, I had teammates, I had coach, there was a translator there, you know, my meals and my uh, transportation and housing were provided for, were provided for, and I was being paid. So it was like, okay, like you couldn't, you couldn't have like a really a better setup to be, you know, an immigrant, right? Like it, yeah. it's just, it was like, okay, I, I just had to just be there and just soak up stuff. And uh, to be able to have, you know, basketball as that pivot and as that vehicle and even see the differences of how they view and how, you know, their, their approach to the game and, the preparation to the game and the idea of the game and the development of the game and compared to my view and, 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 and uh, development and, and so on. And to also see, you know, other, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're a non 
native player called an import. And also too, so to see that, you know, with other non-import, with, with other import players on other teams, despite you being on a separate team, you guys are all having very similar experiences. Mm. Um, there was just so many layers and so many flavors of, uh, that I, I was just, in, I was just savoring, man. Like just, yeah, it, 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 it was wild. It was wild. If, if you have any, would say like funny cultural like mishap that occurred to you while over there. And if not, if you don't have one for that, what's like one of your favorite things and what's one of the worst things? I guess that's for both of you guys. The, so, 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 and, and I, I, you know, I, call, I called Rod before. I said, hey, man, like, what, what, do I, what do I need to know before I go over there? He's like, yo, man, hey. Whatever you do, you gotta do the drills hella hard. Just go hard. Go <laughs> <laughs> so hard. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you said it, and I was like, okay, but I, I didn't really understand what you meant. It's like I'm over there, right? Like, you, gotta go, you gotta go. Just, just go. So, you know, I got to the league. I know that, bro. <laughs> a little different in the league. There's like, there's, you know, you go. There's a different type of going hard. Just like there's, there's like, there's a. It's, you have to go hard, but there is, um, it's just a little, so I'm, I'm going to tell you. So it's like over there is like with the drill work. So, so, so in, in America, there's certain concepts of, okay, you know, you, you show me a drill. I'm going to ease into it. Let me absorb. Let me figure out these nuances. Let me kind of understand what you're doing like or if i want if i want to work on my game and i'm missing shots like the coach understands like hey man you're working on your game like i'm not going to take you know you're not on right now like this yeah. is like you're, you're, you're you practicing your feet under you yeah. you're getting there's no that doesn't exist it's like hey when you're, <laughs> you're going hard bro when you're not going hard you're messing up you're slacking uh, <laughs> God so, so 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 i came in you know the first couple practices uh, I was uh, I was kind of just going through. I'm like, all right, let me just get my feet. Let me just kind of get a, a, a flow for what's going on. Let me just kind of, you know, not even just just go at an un, what in America would be an understandable 70%. It's like, all right, like he clearly knows what he's doing. He's not going as hard, but there's a purpose behind not going hard. And so when, when the game comes, he's going to turn it up and now be and whatever. Yeah. And so that's what I was doing. I, you know, I kind of pacing myself and then can't come, come game time, I would go hard. And then, you know, my agent, my Korean agent, the agent that dealt with, with uh, the KBL called me and said, Hey man, the team, the team uh, is, is complaining that you're not going hard in practice. I'm like, e immediately. <laughs> uh, I came like, how my practice? Like, what, what, what do you mean practice? You know, I'm, I'm, with the AI? I'm, we talking about practice? <laughs> They said, no, you know, they want you to go hard and practice. I'm like, well, I don't understand. Like, I'm showing them what I'm doing. They say, no, no, you know, here you got you to go hard and practice, and they want game, but they really want to practice. I'm like, okay, noted. And, and that was at the beginning, but as I was there longer, I understood why. I'm like, okay, culturally, this, as a culture, man, Koreans, they go hard. They you know, do. It's like, it's it's all like dude, it's 100%, you, you, are, you are putting your 100% best effort all the time, no matter what level you are at, and everybody is held accountable. It's very interesting. There's no, you don't, you're not slacking, man. You're like, if, if you're if you're on the clock, you are going. And uh, 
it's a very intense culture, man. But that's that was my very first like, you know, introduction to that. To where, you know, I brought my American. Okay, you know, when the lights come on, I, I'm, I'm gonna do what I have to do. But until then, let me kind of take a couple of times to get my feet wet and figure, get my footing right. Versus like, nah, man, we see you. You better be running hard. You know, we want you to do with the sweat already. And to be fair, like the players, man, they go hard. Like I'm watching them. I'm the like, Koreans. yo, these guys. Yeah. I, 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 I was amazed that they – I didn't even know players could do that. I didn't know players could work that hard, that long, that – that like with that type of intensity like the whole time. You know? They so, can't though. They're always injured. <laughs> I was going to say, that, that was going to be my follow-up. I was like, bro, that leads to injury. I was yeah, like, you that, can't redline all the time. Yeah, but that doesn't matter, man. Wrap it up and keep on going, man. Like wrap yeah, it up and keep on going. But, hey, man, they go hard, man. It's people – so some context, the team Soldier that he was on for this is a team that I won uh, two championships with. And eventually, like, playing for that team is when I was like, okay, I'm going to retire. Like, I've got my date. <laughs> they, they stole a lot of basketball from me. They took it. But that that green a big team? part of that is, like, you would think that you could earn some cachet. Like, all right, like, hey, we won two championships. Yeah. Year three, like, I'm going hard. But, like, day four out of five, like, yo, let me, like, Go a little less hard. Bro, this fool, I remember one day he was the head coach. We had just, during training camp there, you might do three a days on this team. And I don't know if you were there for training camp. Were you? Did you get there just after? No, so I went there during training camp for a little bit, and then I left and came back. But okay. I know you're yeah. Okay. So we had, we had three a days. Might be three days during the season as well. Like yeah, some players. Yeah, right. <laughs> But this so isn't productive. We're doing it. For the, and, and one day I was just, I was exhausted because I was going hard. Like, again, this isn't like I've been slacking and then I'm like, oh, let me keep slacking. It's like, bro, I'm actually tired. So I'm kind of going through the motions, but like still going way harder than I might go in an American practice yeah. in this situation. And the coach stops the practice and he asks the trainer for the ball. He's, this is on Korean, so I don't really know what's happening until it's happening. Then he like calls me over and I generally know through either context or knowing like enough Korean words, how to communicate with the coach. So he calls me over and he's like, basically like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I mean, you can't really say that you're tired to this guy. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. And he takes the ball and he like throws it like six feet to my left. And I like, don't move. And he's like, you seem tired to me. And so he gets the ball back and he throws it like six feet to my right. And I like, pick up on the cue and I'm like, I like try to catch it, but it's like just far enough to like, no, I'm not going to reach that. I'm not really warmed up yet. <laughs> he does this for like four minutes, like just throwing the ball further and further until I catch it. And he's like, okay, now you're ready. <laughs> and, that, and then practice started. <laughs> and the real shit started. Dude, like here, here, dude. <laughs> Fuck out of here. So, with, with, with some of the younger guys. So out so some of the younger guys. So uh, in, in one of our locations, we'd have to take a, a bus ride to practice to the facility. And it was like a 20 minute bus ride. And one day, one day I got off the bus and I saw some of the younger guys, like, you know, and this guy's like, like, you know, he's really into team, wants everybody to, to get there at the same time. So, you know, when we got there, uh, I saw some of the younger guys like walking towards me. I'm like, wait, I'm like, okay, did, did you guys have to come here before and get some extra shots? Cause in the US as customers, sometimes the, 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 the younger players yeah. will come and, uh, you know, to get some extra work before actual practice, right? No, he had 
These guys ran. We took the bus. They ran to practice. Ran. I was my ran. last question was what's the cardio? Do y'all just go hard and drink? Ran. That they is insane. And then had a full practice. And they, they, they did not slouch. You know, like you can't you can't show that you're like you said, you can't show that you're tired. Like it was it, a 20 minute drive. It was it's a, a long drive. drive. It's a very long drive. <laughs> and I, I was like, whoa, whoa, hold up. Y'all, y'all ran. Like, yeah, we, they just nodded ahead. Like, and the thing is, there's no complaint. There's no like ill fit. It's just like, yeah, we did it. All right, cool. What's next? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, there's there's no just, you know, to me, it was very interesting in like mentality too, because like I, I just don't I I can't see a pro doing just be you just couldn't do that with a pro here just for a number of reasons. But um, well, that's why a lot of guys who come to Korea, there's been some great talent to come through there, but they they end up not lasting. Usually because of stuff like that. I mean, there's also when you get to the game, like it's funny, like if you bring in ten Rod Bensons, let's just say to play to fill in these ten spots for these teams, inherently, if we're all the same. A couple are going to do better or worse just based on what the team is like, but yeah. it 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 ends up being you don't produce for a couple games and they'll be like, "Sorry, bro, you're not good enough to be here." And it's on top of all the other bullshit. So some guys go there and they get fucking crazy. Like, do you know who Ivan Johnson is? No, he's, he used to be in the league for a while, but he was on the Hawks, I think, or something. But he was in Korea, and he famously, and you can look this up, like got hella mad during a game and like punched a ref in the face. And then, like, oh, like did, like, okay. fuck you to the crowd. <laughs> and then just walked off and never came back to Korea. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. Like, the, the, the uh, it's a different culture. You know, it's a, it's a very different culture. And coming in, you have to understand. If you understand it's a different culture and you can't take things personally, you're going to do well. You know, it's a very different. The Korean culture and the American culture are two very, 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 very different cultures. And, and the way... Uh, yeah, just the way we go about business in general. So, so if you, you you have to, for me, it was a lesson of like, hey, man. And, and you know, I come from, I have a Nigerian, but so it's not like it's foreign. Like, I, I grew up with Nigerian culture, trying to, you know, with a dual culture here in, in the U.S. So I have that familiarity. But still, in going over there, I was like, okay, no, you know, there's some filters I have to adjust to be able to properly, uh, you know, assimilate and function without either offending or being offended. You know, mm-hmm. Korea is the only place overseas you've ever played, right? That's the only place overseas I played. Yeah, great so. experience. They, they treat they, you know, you're treated well in terms of you know, you know, you, you're treated well with and with respect. Uh, it's just if you're expecting American life, you're gonna, <laughs> you know, you, you have to re readjust there. Be rudely awakened. Well, what's interesting I found is that I've, as someone who spent more of their career overseas, the Korea, I stayed there for eight years because it, with all the bullshit, it is still the best. And I would say that like that team specifically is kind of the worst. I spent more time on the on the on this other team, but you won't find a place, as you said earlier, they kind of take away any reason to not be bad, to not be good. I mean. So it's like, hey, you're like not fed well. We'll feed you whatever you want. You don't yeah. have transportation. We'll get you whatever you want. You like, yeah. you need some here's bonus money. Here. Great. Here's some money. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Like, they give you every tool. I went to France. Yeah. Could not be more opposite. They give you <laughs> literally. They like basically are just like, 
hey, you're equals to us here, and we also kind of wish you weren't. We kind of wish you weren't. For real, though, That's Korea is French, unique though. in that. And any league you play in in the world that does treat, does act like kind of with this NBA mentality, that I've seen at least, uh, they don't pay. They don't pay money. Like, because people don't, they like overpay in places where they're like, yeah, you're going to deal with some shit here. Either weather or oh, culture. Yeah. And so they know that. They overpay to get people past those places where people just want to go. Like, oh, let's just go chill in like, you know, Jamaica for a year. Like, oh, we have a league. Yeah, $50 a month, man. Come live in Jamaica. <laughs> $50 a month. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, That's Korea, Korea, I found Korea very, it, it was very, it was a very, very comfortable experience. Um, the people there are very nice. Uh, people there, very, you know, it, it, it was a very pleasant, pleasant experience. And, you know, the, like the coach, Coach Hugh, I I, I respect his, I, I respect the man. Like, I respect, like, what he's built and how he goes about things and, and, and his winning tradition. And, you know, it, it's difficult to run a team. And, um, and he does have a code that I think that he's, that he operates by. And... At least in my experience, he seems to be pretty honorable to that. Like, if you come in, aren't a good guy, and, and work hard and listen, um, all intents and purposes, you won't have as much issues with him. I guess in, in my short term, um, yeah, I wouldn't and, say you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, no, yeah. So, 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 my, my, my I'll, I'll definitely do. Have had the, I've had the opportunity. I'll, I'll definitely do Korea again. Um, Wait, when you were there, did you? This is, we're going to stay on Coach you, but I'll make this a bigger thing. But with the alcohol culture there, how much of it did you witness? And did you see Coach you ever get fucking turned up? Because I'll tell a quick story before you answer. It took a couple years of being there, but one night, uh, uh, Ricardo was your teammate. When I was there, he was a rookie. <laughs> he wasn't. He got traded. Okay. The K- okay. The ATC, yeah. Uh, so... We were we were there and uh, uh, like late at night, maybe two a.m. You just hear like laughing outside, like because you know that that practice facility down in Ulsan, it's just like kind of open in front of it uh, with like a, what looks like an old parking lot or something. Anyways, way out there, we like look through the windows and we see Coach Yu is having he's having the assistant coaches slap the shit out of each other for his pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like they're like stumbling drunk and he's just laughing like some like anime boss like ha, 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 and I was like this dude is wild oh my goodness bro that is insane the, uh, the, 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 the drinking you know yeah dude it's you know it's uh it's interesting man like it's an intense culture out there, man. You know, it's a very intense culture. And I guess it's a stress relief. They go hard on the liquor, man. Um, after games, uh, or I even tell you, like, there was, there was this one Christmas. So we had, like, a Christmas party. And uh, we, we had just won the game, so I was in a good mood. And it came time to, you know, to celebrate, you know, we were celebrating and out came some soju bottles, which is a, you know, national uh, liquor, liquor uh, popular uh, Korean drink and beer. And, and coach was just, we're, we're sitting there talking. He's just filling up his cup and, and 
hand it to me. You know, you know when, you know when someone gives you something and you have no option, like the way you, yeah. the way you was handed it's it not to an me, offer, it's take this. This is not, this is like a demand. Like you, but it was it was like very subtle. It's like very like, and I drank it, and he took it, and he poured some more. And, and I drank it again. It's like, okay, look, now we're gonna play a drinking game with with all, with with with, uh, <laughs> with uh, four of our teammates, and then proceeded to fill us, you know, fill all our cups. And the drinking game consisted of him just pointing at each one of us. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man. But um. Yeah, and, and then and then from from just the conversations that I had from uh, like the translator, and uh, yeah, it's, it, dude, it, it, it's 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 just the culture is just it's just so it's just so interesting, man. It, it's it's just a, such an interesting culture. I, I I was only there for two and a half months, and I, I couldn't, you know, I, I really wanted to absorb more. Um, but the, the the drinking aspect of it is is very interesting. Well, I hope you uh, you're talking to my old team DB. I don't know if you still are, but if you are and that works out, your experience will be so different and so much better. And I think you'll also see a lot more of the drinking culture, to be honest, because that coach also turns up. This guy is literally drunk every night. Well, okay, I don't know if you noticed this when you were there, but. You alluded to it in that people there don't really complain. They just like follow the, the directions. And part of that's like the culture there is very top down. So if there's, you know, a boss or someone older, uh, then you basically have to listen to them. And in a lot of companies, the oldest person is also the boss. So they kind of just direct people anyways. They when they want everyone else to drink, you basically drink until you're fucked if they say so. Yeah. So they I mean, that coach. Specifically, the, the, the last team I was on, the translator, because he was a friend of mine, I'd be like, oh, you want to hang out? He's like, oh, I can't, man. Like, I have to drink with the coach. And he'd never say it like it was a good thing. He'd be like, <laughs> I'm so tired from yesterday. Because the coach would just, like, take delight in watching him, like, basically throw up, like, every day. And then be like, all right, 8 a.m. practice. See you tomorrow. That's and this so dude funny. was an animal because he could wake up and he'd walk, like, five miles he'd and just be off. ready to go. And he'd make the translator walk, walk with him, too, in the morning. <laughs> And it was just so, but anyways, it was, it was just a different environment where you'll see a lot more of that. And, but you also have more free time and like an actual city to, to explore where I think you'll really find stuff that you'll enjoy. Is the translator a part of the team, like a GM, like a, not a GM, yeah. like, like a trainer and stuff yeah. like that? Like yeah, the, the, okay. that's his job to translate. He's a translator. Like, yeah. you know, this, this is what's being said. This is what's going on. And this, they translate what you're saying. It's like, yeah, that's do, their role. Do they have like multiple ones for different languages, or just one guy got to know everything? Like, no, one guy usually, usually knows pretty bad English. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, normally, normally the quote unquote import players are English speakers, so you just have okay. like a translator that speaks English. Yeah. Okay. I've always thought it's fascinating because there are other sports out there. So like volleyball gets guys from all over the world who speak like Italian and Spanish. That's what I mean. And then, but the translators are still like English, so it's like. Yeah. Bad English on bad English. I always wondered how that would go. I assume not great. Probably terribly. <laughs> and, and then, and then I was very, I was very interested, surprised. They have it's like the the sporting community in Korea is very robust. Like they have you know pro basketball, men and women, 
you know, you, so in addition to pro basketball, men and women and, you know, uh, baseball, there's soccer, volleyball. I saw handball. You know, all these are televised, you know, and all these are sponsored. You know, these people, you know, they're, they're paid and they're lodged and they're and they're fed. And, you know, these uh, big corporations sponsor them. And there may or may not be as many people like fans in the stands, but these sports like exist, you know? Yeah, I would say that there there are. I can't speak to all the sports, but for women's volleyball and women's basketball there's less teams but they do get pretty good attendance mm. i think that that this is a it's a great counter argument to people who say that like women's sports just aren't popular enough in america i think that you just build it and eventually people come and if you if we look at like like he said they're all televised right every yeah. game of all these sports is on national television they don't have like debate shows so yeah. they fill in their sports channels, which was like eight, with actual sports. Yeah. And yeah. if we were to do that with, let's say, the WNBA, for example, yeah. and just literally televise every game and play it all the time, do yeah. you not think the profile would rise? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, again, I came from Connecticut. Like, Connecticut, men and women are, I say even women's are probably higher profile than men, you know? And it's yeah. just visibility, uh, relatability, uh, you know, showcasing and allow allowing people to connect you know that's such a nonsense argument that there's not a market for it because like using the women's soccer team like they are our men's soccer team is trash our women's soccer team has four world cups like what are we talking about here like you just not pay them and and make that like ross said make the platform and what we talk about here but you you know Stephen yeah, A. got to have a show to complain about LeBron James. So. <laughs> Anyways, Emeka, we, we, we're going to wrap up here. just want to know if you have any projects or anything you're working on, anything you want to just shout out before we uh, before we get going? Project, you know, hey, just – I guess just, we're just out here like everyone else trying to maintain in this COVID uh, environment, you know. Um, really been interesting in seeing how – uh, you know, thing has come up to me. It's like family and community. You know, it's really brought, at least for me, with everything that's gone on. I've I've had you know a lot of time just to really soak up being you know a father, being a husband. Um, then with all you know the protests, really go back to connecting to not only my African roots, uh, but the African-American roots as well, you know, really understanding, um, you know, my roots from, from, from all, from all angles. Uh, you know, I participated in, in a few family marches and, uh, in doing that was really able to, uh, deeper dive and connect with, uh, you know, what, people did in, in the civil rights, you know, it's very interesting. Like right after I, I did the very first March, uh, Selma was on and uh, yeah. So I did the first March and then, you know, later that night Selma was on. And then I was like, man, hold up. Like I just did what they did, but not really like, hmm. you know, I, I brought, I brought my kids. I knew I was going to be safe. There's people cheering. Yeah. It was a general, like, 
safe. I, I, the, the, like, you know, I brought my kids. So there's absolutely nothing in my mind that would ever signify that something was ever dangerous about that. You understand? I'm like, man, these guys were also just marching peacefully, silently, but they were going into fire hydrants and, 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 and dogs and, and, you know, police batons. And, you know, in that moment, I just, I don't know, man, something happened to where I was just like, oh man, like it just, things just became like, it just became more real. Like I was able to connect to it, to a, a, just really soak in what had been done, why they were doing it, what they were going against, and the nature of what they were doing, like how pure it was and the way it was received. And it really brought me back to a sense of like, man, okay, look at the environment of where we they were versus where we're at. Have there been strides? Of course, there have been a crazy amount of strides. There's been unbelievable uh, strides met. However, we still got ways to go, right? So just really kind of put all that in perspective. And, you know, in terms of projects, like, like really, like, it, with me, it's about, you know, community and it's really connecting. Like, all right, man, like, what are you? What are we doing? Where are we going? You know, I have kids. What world are we in currently? And how would I like to shape it? And how would I like to help get it to where we need to go you know yeah so that's that's kind of uh my uh my my thing for the past three four months damn that's powerful man that's real i was like yeah that's dope yeah, we feel you, man. I don't have anything to add to that. Do you? No, not at all. You pretty succinct, man. We got, we gotta, we gotta make the change we want, bro. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on and taking the time. Yes, sir. Uh, Thank you. If you ever have anything you want to talk about again, man, feel Go free. Back. If you watch, uh, if you watch Space Jam, you're like, oh shit, we gotta talk about that. <laughs> Let us know. Go, man. Still haven't covered. All right, have me on. All right, brother. All right, brother. Have a good one. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.